And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so great until I saw the city. Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Thanks as always for tuning in. My guest today is me. Uh, this is a, a fair warning that uh, if you like my voice, you'll probably enjoy this podcast. If you find my voice is sort of nails on a chalkboard, you're going to probably hate this uh, this podcast uh, because what I've decided to do with this podcast is do sort of an expanded mailbag, an expanded Q&A. Um, I brought it up on Twitter yesterday, asked for questions. I got about 160 of them. So we're just going to randomly go through them on my Twitter account and grab a bunch. And I usually don't like to go through the questions uh, beforehand uh, just because I, I don't like to rehearse uh, and start to think about what I want to say. I like to like it to be off the cuff. So we'll sort of go through it uh, in a confused fashion probably today and uh, just grab questions as, as I see them and, uh, and maybe get me talking a bit. Um, but I'll also be doing a uh, meaty mailbag uh, probably next Tuesday or Wednesday in The Athletic. I put up questions today. I'm going to write them. I'm going to Atlanta tomorrow to visit family and flying home Monday. So I'll use the two flights to really work on the mailbag. And so hopefully they'll, it'll run on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Um, so I'll be doing an expanded mailbag. If, if today's podcast doesn't give you enough information about the wild, uh, you can read a bunch of words uh, next week as well. Um, if you've missed this week's coverage on uh, Tuesday, 
I believe it was. Uh, we got a ton of players. Uh, kudos to Aaron Sickman and Megan Kogut with the Wild. Uh, got us a ton of players and uh, did a big story, uh, sort of glorified meaty notebook in the athletic on uh, you know conversations that we had with Zach Parisi, Matt Dumba, Ian Cole, Nick Bonino, Kevin Fiala, Yule Erickson X, Jonas Bardeen, um, Jared Spurgeon. I feel like we we got others as well. Kirill Kaprizov. Um, so that was it the other day. Then on Wednesday, I did a Kaprizov story. Today, Thursday, in a few hours, we'll be going down to the XL Energy Center, um, a- actually uh, to the Wild headquarters next to the XL Energy Center, to have an in-person press conference for the first time this season with anybody. We'll be meeting with Billy Guerin and Dean Evison for their season wrap-up and off-season forecast. And uh, that story will be up later today uh, with this podcast out in The Athletic as well. Obviously, as you know by now, the Wild uh, did did not get through the first round yet again. Another first round exit. This one felt a little different, though. Uh, the Wild were down 3-1 in the series after getting spanked in consecutive home games after being uh, one of the best home teams in the league this year. Uh, but they wind up going out to Vegas, winning a uh, gutsy game five behind a masterful goaltending performance from Cam Talbot. They come home, win a big game seven, play a tight game, and then break out there in the third period. And then Game 7 is a coin flip, and unfortunately, it really turned out not to be a coin flip for the Wild because they lose Jonas Bardeen uh, five minutes into the game on a blue line that was already without Carson Soucy with, I believe, rib injuries. Uh, I don't think he was close to returning. He did skate that morning, but I, but I hear that he was still in a ton of discomfort, so I don't think that he was close to returning either way. But so you lose Jonas Bardeen, you have Jules Eriksson Eck playing with you know, one leg, essentially a knee injury, um, other guys banged up as well. And not that Vegas wasn't banged up, but you, you, you lose Brodeen five minutes into a game right after falling down one, nothing on a Matthias Yanmark goal. And then you're playing without your best center at a hundred percent or even close to it. It just had all the makings of a team that would fight. And then eventually, um, you know, have have sort of the rug pulled out from under them, and that's exactly what happened. The wild, the wild battled until early in the second period, made it two two. Uh, they give up a goal, I believe it was to White Cloud after Kaprizov. Um, and it's, sorry, uh, it was to Pacioretty, which turned out to be the winning goal. But the key goal all game long to me was the White Cloud goal. That that sort of sucked the life out of the Wild. Um, you make it 4-2 there, and now you're fighting back from two goals down. We've seen in Game 7s before, uh, as recent as 2014, where the Wild rallied back from five one-goal deficits. That one-goal deficit became two, and it was sort of lights out at that point on. And and um, it was a tough shift. I mean, you know, Parisi's robbed on one end, uh, then he loses his, or breaks his stick and is now playing without a stick. Um, you know, just the Wild starts scrambling to give up a goal and and that was it and i would just love to see what that game would be played like done over with a, a healthy jonas Bernin all game i just think it changed everything uh you wind up with a blue line essentially with 5d the rest of the way but it was really four because addison wasn't getting a regular shift and and now you have everybody elevated in your lineup ian cole is a great third pair defenseman suddenly you know, getting extended minutes, Dumba getting extended minutes, obviously Suter now back up to his old 28, 29 minutes. 
Um, it just it just was all the recipe for a loss. So you know, disappointing end to the season. Uh, now Colorado's up two zero on Vegas. Uh, they got spanked game one. Game two was a much better game by Vegas, but they lose in overtime. And I don't think that this uh, series uh, in round two, if the Wild advanced, would have ended uh, pretty. Uh, to be blunt, so the Wild lose in round one. Um, it ends what I thought was a good, exciting year for them in a division that was very odd. They only played seven teams. There were four patsies in the division that the Wild beat up on all year and the three California teams in Arizona. So we don't know what a normal season would have been like if they traveled to play 30 other teams, um, but 31 other teams, no, 30 teams, 31 will be next year. Um, but they had a good year. I mean, you, you get Kaprizov over. He's everything that we had hoped he'd be and probably more. I don't think any of us thought in, in year one he would dominate as well as he did. Um, so that's good news. Erickson Eck has a breakout year. Talbot gives him st- stable goaltending. Um, you know, for the most part, they had a good year. But now we'll see what Billy Guerin can do this offseason to really get this team to try to make the next step. This is a process. It was always going to be more than a one-year process. Um, we'll see if this is the summer. Billy has always said that there's going to come a time for the Minnesota Wild to swing for the fences, and maybe that is this summer. There is a lot to do. They've got to re-sign Kaprizov. They've got to re-sign Erickson Eck. They've got to re-sign Fiala. They've got to think about their UFAs. They only have $22 million in cap space. That normally would be a huge amount of money, except the Wild are going to give a huge chunk of that to Fiala, Erickson Eck, and Kaprizov. The biggest question I have is what do they do in terms of potentially dangling trade bait out there? Would they go after a Jack Eichel? And if that's the case, will it cost you at least Dumba and Fiala or Dumba and Greenway? Plus, there would have to be other assets in there. Is that even enough? You know, And the reason why I keep on saying Dumba slash Fiala is because Fiala is an RFA that's going to command probably in the $6 million range. And... Eichel makes 10 million bucks. The Wild only have 22 million. So you're, there's going to have to be probably a dollar for dollar out or a little under it to get Eichel and to be able to comfortably fit him on your payroll. Uh, so I, I just think that it's going to cost uh, a lot of money to get him. And I don't know if Buffalo is going to want to take on all that money. I don't know if Buffalo is going to say, you know what, we're not trading Jack Eichel unless we get a top center in the deal. And if that's the case, then the Wild are probably out. Uh, because they don't have a top center to trade back there other than Erickson Eck, and I don't think the Wild are going to trade Erickson Eck. So the question is, do prospects uh, get it done? A Marco Rossi, who Buffalo passed over last year in the draft to get Jack Quinn. Now, all of a sudden, you have Rossi coming back with uh, you know what other teams might be deemed uh, a health risk based on him having myocarditis. So now you have a Buffalo Sabres team that passed over Rossi and now might be offered Rossi with this health concern. That right away might just take the Wild out of it. So, you know, we're all talking Eichel, 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 like the Wild have just are going to, if they want him, go get him. It's not going to be that simple. Plus, there's other factors there. The Wild have to check on his character. The Wild have to check on his neck injury. Um, and the Wild have to outbid a lot of other teams that might be very interested in Jack Eichel. So that might be too much. Uh, would Sam Reinhardt uh, foot the bill? Uh, I think he's a great young player, but same thing. He's going to command a raise as an RFA, so the Wild are going to have to give up money in that deal. And again, if Buffalo has no interest in taking on a Fiala or a Dumba, that probably doesn't get done. Um, other 
free agents out there, guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Philip Deneau, Derek Stepan, these players might be somebody that the Wild could potentially go after. I don't see them going after Kuznetsov. If Barkov is available, I would go all in on him. Uh, you know, I think that Florida is going to have to figure out this offseason if Buff- if uh, Barkov is going to resign and commit there long term. If not, that's the guy I target if I'm the Minnesota Wild. I don't know if they have enough again to to have what it takes. You got to make sure that you're going to be able to resign Barkov. Uh, but you know, this could be all fantasy talk. Uh, let's get going on the questions. Cause I have a lot of great ones here. Um, let's see. And hopefully, uh, you'll be paying attention to my Twitter account later in the athletic to figure out everything that Billy Garen and Dean Evison say during today's availability. Um, this is one of those, uh, t- t- ones that we're going to be asking a lot about Billy Garen and, and Dean Evison. But, uh, Jackson asked, do you think it's more likely that Parisi isn't on the team next season or that he has a regular lineup spot? I think it's going to be c- uh, completely up to whether or not the wild are willing to buy him out right now. I get the impression that Billy Guerin does not want to buy him out, but he might not have no, he might have no choice also based off the fact that he might not be able to make some moves that are going to free up cap space and buying out Parisi at least gets them a little bit of a haircut next year of about $5 million. But then, it, then all of a sudden you're going to have Parisi playing for another team and you're going to have seven and a half, seven and a half and about six and a half in cap hits in years two, three, and four, and then 833 on for the next four years after that with Parisi not even being on this team. So I, my, my gut says that Billy doesn't want to buy him out and will exhaust every other option there and including sitting down with Parisi and having a heart to heart and seeing if he's willing to embrace this role. But there might come a point where he just has to change his mind, bite the bullet and, and buy him out. That would be hugely, um, it would not be a cost uh, advantageous move for the wild uh, salary wise. You're only paying him six and a half to say goodbye, essentially. Um, but but you know, buyout wise, cap wise, it's it's a huge chunk of change that the wild are going to be charged to not even have him on the team. So um, next year you get a five million dollar cap break, but it does it goes back to almost about normal in years two, three, and four and. And uh, in a flat cap world, that could potentially hurt the wild. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, to answer your question, I really don't know. I don't think that Billy Guerin knows. I think that he wants to make it work with Zach and not buy him out, not trade him, try to get him to just embrace playing a third or fourth line role. But look, this team is continuing to get younger and faster. Zach's role, if it was this diminished this year, is only going to continue to get more and more diminished as more younger players are graduated to this roster. And so, uh, you know, and I'm talking guys like Rossi, Boldy, but even like the Duhams and the Doers, eventually they've got to be put on this team. And in the role that Zach is now, those are going to be in that spot. So uh, this is this was always going to end poorly, probably, when you get, sign these guys to 13-year deals that take, especially somebody is, uh, that plays the game the way that Zach does, and, and he was going to always slow down. Um, but this is now, uh, I don't think that anybody thought that in year four, it would be to this, uh, with four years left on his deal, that it would be to this degree when he led the Wild in goal scoring a year ago. Uh, you know, it just, it's a, it's amazing that we've we've hit this point where this early uh, that that it looks like Zach Parisi's on the outs here and how the Wilder to handle this is going to really dictate a lot of this offseason. Um, Paul says, uh, what is your gut feeling on the Wild offseason? We will see multiple, will we see multiple trades like last season or maybe just a big trade? Any other splashy moves the Wild might make? I think that 
right now the the priority one from Billy Guerin's standpoint is to get back on the line with the agents for Kaprizov, Erickson Eck, and Fiala and start working toward re-signing them. That will dictate everything the rest of the summer. They've got to know what those cap hits are going to be to then determine whether or not they're going to go and make other splashy moves. Now, if if all of a sudden um, Craig Oster, who is Kevin Fiala's new agent, and Billy Guerin have this conversation where Billy right away decides, you know what, I can't stomach signing Kevin Fiala to this term or this contract, this price. That could really determine whether or not Kevin Fiala is dangled out there in trade bait. And so I almost half expect that this offseason. That would be the su- sort of, and I don't know if it's a surprise move, but that would be the move that wouldn't shock me this offseason. Billy Guerin's made bold moves before. I don't think he'd be afraid to trade Kevin Fiala if the return was significant. I think it would be a huge shame to trade Kevin Fiala just because the Wild, you know, Paul Fenton made a heck of a trade. Uh, you know, I don't think I thought it at the time when he traded Fiala straight up for Granlin. But look, Fiala is a better player than M- Mikhail Granlin. And um, you know, and has this this uh, speed in him, this this dynamic elite talent in him, and this desire to win that allows him to uh, score some big goals. The big issue with him is discipline-wise, defensively, the way he takes care of the puck. Can you continue to win with that if he's not going to fix that type of stuff? Um, but it would be a shame to lose him. Uh, but if you could use Fiala in a position that could get this team that top center when last summer it showed, Matt Dumba showed that he didn't have that ability to get the Wild a top center, um, I think you got to consider it. Uh, the, the, to me, the way this Wild team gets on the next step is if they can get centers that can match up with the Vegas's of the world, the Colorado's of the world, and, and, and the other top teams that the Wild are going to start to see. They just, you know, they got away with it this year their lack of center production, their lack of center depth. Um, but I don't think that on a long term that you could go and win a cup with this this group of centers. And if Fiala can help get that, I think you got to consider it. Um, Adam says, how far is Ryan O'Rourke from making his debut? If we lose Dumbo or Susie to trader expansion, our already undersized D seems like it would be even more exposed, especially during the playoffs. Um, I... I, I I don't disagree with your analysis, but if you're relying on Ryan O'Rourke at 19 years old to be the savior there, uh, it's just not going to happen. The Wild would need to get some sort of stopgap to add grit to the back end that can maybe buy time for Ryan O'Rourke to develop in Iowa, where he played this season, and then get here. Now, will playing in Iowa this season accelerate Ryan O'Rourke's development to get to the NHL, perhaps? Uh, you know, normally a 19-year-old, a teenager is not allowed. That's from the Canadian Hockey League is not allowed to play in the HL. That that uh, that um, dispensation essentially was changed. This it was added this season to allow guys like Beckman, Hunt, and O'Rourke to play somewhere until their junior season started up. The OHL never did start up, so O'Rourke was able to spend all year in Iowa, and he definitely, I think that would have that would have accelerated things. But I don't think it's going to accelerate things to create a short-term solution if the Wild lose Dumbo or Susie this summer. So if your analysis is uh, is correct that the Wild need to take a grittier back there, they're going to probably have to do it externally. Um, Russo HFC, 
which I don't know what that stands for off the top of my head. Uh, who do the wild protect an expansion cam or capo? Um, I, I think at least as of a month and a half ago, two months ago, it was always going to be capo and that the wild would consider maybe giving a pick or something to protect cam and keep Seattle from taking him. I don't know if that's changed just by the fact that capo has struggled so dramatically down the stretch and cam did not. Um, but I think that if you're just going by asset preservation wise, I think Capo makes sense to, to protect because he's 24 years old and Cam's only got two years left on his deal and is, uh, 33 years old. So, uh, yeah, I think that you've got to protect Capo if you think that he's got a future, by the way, you know, what's really funny about me just Googling, uh, uh, Cam Talbot's, uh, age. I was telling a, a a young sports writer the other day, Dame Mizzitani, about what it was like back in the old days when, like, as a sports writer, before there was really internet or the ability to just Google things like that, before every long road trip, I would take an extra duffel bag with the guide and record book and the media guides for every team that I covered uh, that would be on the road trip. So if the Panthers went on a five-game road trip out to California, Arizona, and Denver, so let's say, I would bring five media guides and the gigantic guide and record book, and that would be my resource material for the entire trip. And a lot of times, if you're on the road and the Panthers would make a trade for a player, you'd sort of be screwed because he had no easy way other than the press release to look up instant stuff because I forgot that team's media guide or I didn't think that they would make a trade with the New York Rangers while I was on the road. So I didn't bring the Rangers guide. Uh, so it's just, uh, it's funny. Uh, I don't know. Lately, when you get older and you've done this job, as long as I have, you start to think about how, how things were done back in the old days. But uh, it was just so funny the way you traveled on uh, road trips. Uh, Mark Long asked, do you feel Eichel is the number one target this offseason, assuming price is right? I do. I think the Wild are going after him. Um, but again, the price has to rewrite. Kyle says, uh, what are your thoughts on Brennan Manel? He seems like there's such potential there to be a full-time NHLer, or is there something we are missing? Is it another Mayhew situation where he dominates lower levels but can't cut it in the NHL? I don't think it's that yet. I mean, first of all, Mayhew's a lot older than than uh, than than Brennan Manel, and we haven't seen enough of Brennan Manel other than the years, the two years in Iowa where he just played really, really well. Then he goes to the KHL this year and dominates as well. I think it's more so that the Wild are ticked with him. I mean, I really think it's that simple. Um, and so it's sad that that might wind up, be, that they might just put their their feet in the sand. But, you know, I, I, if you remember when Brennan Manel first signed with the KHL last year, I, I tweeted, and I kind of walked it back, but, I, but from talking to sources inside the Wild, I tweeted that he was probably done in the Wild organization. Uh, I did walk it back, but you know the two or three times that you all have heard me ask Bill Guerin about Brennan Manel on this podcast, I get the impression that I was right that that Billy Guerin was just so ticked that he made this decision that that they might just not be interested in bringing him back. It was you know in a lot of ways like I, I if you read the story that I wrote in February on Brennan Manel, I think he explains what he was trying to achieve here well especially in a sh shortened season where he was going to wind up being either on the taxi squad and not playing or in Iowa in, 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 a, in hindsight, he actually probably made the right decision for his hockey playing and his continued development because he was able to go play in a good league and play well and probably much more than, you know, uh, of an asset development wise than playing in a shortened season against a couple teams in a very odd AHL season or, 
being like Dakota Mermis and Kyle Rao and Luke Johnson, who really could have had their development hurt this year by just not playing and, and just practicing every day in the taxi squad. So I actually think that Manel made sort of the right decision. But at the time, I think the Wild were upset that they felt that that Manel's representatives were holding a gun to his head, their head, and, you know, using this KHL carrot as sort of uh, leverage to try to get a one-way contract or just instantly be put on the NHL rather than continually paying their dues in Iowa. And I think that ticked off the organization. And it might cost him a prospect because if he doesn't sign this year, I believe he'll be a year from being allowed to go uh, to uh, to free agency. So, um, you know, I I I I don't get the impression that Manel is just going to uh, re-sign here. I think that he would love to, as long as he was sort of given some indication. Now, all this could change if they lose Dumba, if they if they lose Susie. You know, the, this team is not overflowing with great defense prospects. So, if it were me, and I was Billy Guerin, I would just sign the kid. It's a no risk type of deal. But um, you know, obviously, they know him more than me, and they also know how those negotiations went last summer more than me. And I get the impression that that. Billy is, you know, that the organization was not happy the way that that all went about and felt that he made a short-sighted decision and, you know, are not going to be sort of, you know, held hostage by a 21-year-old or 22-year-old kid. Uh, you know, he seems to me to be a great kid, though, and a very talented kid. So if I were the Wild, I would I would try to make, you know, bygones be bygones here and sign him. Uh, Rob Winnick says, uh, Fiala has to be the odd man out, correct? His agent is going to ask for too much money. And the Wild realistically cannot pay it, considering Kaprizov and Erickson Eck have to get paid and deservedly so. So what's the plan with Fiala? I think the plan with Fiala is to first have those conversations with his new agent. I think the fact that he fired his old agent and hired Newport, which is you know one of the most powerful agents in the land, shows you that Fiala expects to be paid this offseason. So your, your analysis might be correct from that standpoint. Um, uh, you know, I think term is the biggest thing with Kevin Fiala. I just don't think the Wild want to go long term with him. Um, you know, I think that there are certain players that sometimes organizations know their mentality and feel they could get too comfortable with a lot of security. And Fiala could be that guy. And so if all of a sudden uh, he is asking for a ton of money and a ton of turn this offseason and uh, Garen isn't comfortable with it, I do think that putting at least Fiala on the trade block and seeing what could be potentially what nibbles could be out there might make sense and then at the end of the day if you don't hear what you want to hear in terms of a trade offer or trade offers you just sign them and uh and then at least it might set the stage for an eventual move at some point here so we'll see uh hideki asks what's your take on dom's article criticizing official officiating with officials not blowing the whistle during the playoffs allowing more hooking and interfering i agree i think it's ridiculous the stuff that the inconsistency with the officiating in the playoffs. I think it's as bad as it's ever been. Uh, Dylan asked, do you see the any chance the Wild bundle their two first-round picks to move up and chase a center prospect in the draft? Uh, the first round is considered uh, defense-heavy, so I don't know what centers will be there. But uh, right now, the Wild you know, would have around the 23rd and 27th picks in the draft, or roughly around there, and that will all depend on who that's still alive if they wind up in the Final Four. So right now, the teams that finished worse in the standings than the Wild, I believe there were four of them that are still playing. I think it's, and you guys can correct me, I think it's Boston, the Islanders, Montreal, and Winnipeg, maybe, that were the four teams that were below 
uh, Pittsburgh and, and Minnesota. So Pittsburgh and Minnesota had the fifth and ninth best records in the NHL, if I remember correctly. So right now, that would put the Wild, bad math here. You have 32 teams in the first round this year with Seattle, but Arizona loses the 30, their picks. So there's 31 first round picks, if I'm doing that right. So fifth and ninth would be 23rd and 27th, I believe, would be uh, the two picks that the Wild have currently. Now that could go up depending if Boston, the Islanders, Winnipeg, and I think I said Montreal, who finished below them in the standings, wind up in the final four. So um, it really depends on who's there, who Judd Brackett likes. If all of a sudden at 15, there's a center that the Wild think is better than the two picks that they would get in the mid-20s, um, yeah, it would make sense to maybe try to bundle those up and move up. Uh, that's absolutely happened before. Uh, heck, that's how, uh, if I remember, Anaheim got Corey Perry, right? They traded a second-round pick and a late first and moved up and got Corey Perry in 03. Um, it's happened a lot, uh, so that might make some sense. Um, Tim asks, with the draft upcoming, do you think we'll see more late-round steals this year that, uh, since draft-eligible CHL players didn't get to showcase their growth and development this year, or maybe more overage players than usual. I do think that's a possibility. I think that this is the year where it's a good year to have a ton of picks uh, because uh, you're going to miss on some, and you're going to hit on some late ones that maybe should have been higher just based on the lack of viewings this year because the OHL didn't play. Other leagues had very limited viewings. Uh, you know, Europe, a lot of scouts couldn't get over. Um, so this is going to be a very odd draft, and I think the teams with the best scouting and the best drafts are going to be the teams that wind up winning here when we look back at this draft three or four years from now. Craig Rass Graves asks, uh, do you think with inconsistent play by Greener Greenway uh, towards the end of the season and general lack of using his size will motivate uh, Billy Guerin to move him? Um Potentially. I mean, Greenway had a good start to this year, obviously had a good year on the line with uh, Felino and Eric Snack. I think the analytics will show you that, that you know, a lot of wingers on that side probably would have been good with Eric Snack and Felino, the, the way that they drive the line. I don't want to take a lot of, away from Greenway. Greenway is one of those guys that sometimes he just leaves you wanting more. Not sometimes, oftentimes. And, you know, there's just question on how long you can wait for that, right? Uh, you know, it's it's just interesting. And Billy Guerin has shown that he's willing to give up on a player. Give up is the wrong term, but willing to trade a player pretty early in their development if he thinks that they're not going to be the player that he thought he was. We saw it last year with Luke Cunnan. We thought it last year with Ryan Donato. That Ryan Donato for a third right now, by the way, looks like a steal of the century because Ryan Donato had a miserable year in San Jose. He's probably not going to be qualified. And, you know, he's the type of guy, you know, I think somebody would sign him. But if not, I mean, he's he's – He's got to get his act together. He's going to wind up having a European career coming up here. But um, but uh, the Cunning trade, obviously, the jury's still out there. It depends on how who's Nadinov does and Hunt, who's the you know the Wild uh, use their extra pick and their I think third to get Hunt, if I remember correctly. Um, but I don't know. If it were me, I would definitely consider trading Greenway. He just uh, he's one of those guys that just uh, you know I don't know. I, I just don't know if he's going to be the player that you thought he was. He's He's got a lot of um, uh, sort of Charlie Coyle in him from that standpoint. That You just sort of look at him and you always seem to want more. Um, but his lack of goals and points down the stretch I do think was alarming. Um, in, a, in a year where he got off to a great start and was playing a bunch of weak sisters when it comes to uh, defensive hockey teams with Arizona and the California teams, I think he should have done a lot more production-wise. Um Let's see, uh, Canuck's, Canuck Puck Min 
uh, asked about uh, Barkov. I think I already talked about that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's see. You got a bunch of more uh, more Twitter questions here, but I did want to tell you a lot of great podcasts on our network uh, uh, today as well. Dave Tippett, the coach of the Edmonton Oilers, one of my favorite, favorite people, uh, was a guest on... Uh, Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun's, uh, two man advantage edition of the athletic hockey show. I listened to that podcast yesterday. It was outstanding. Uh, tip is, is one of the great, great people, a former Houston arrows coach as well. Uh, the athletic hockey show expands to five days a week, by the way, Monday, you have Ian Mendez and Haley Salvian. Uh, Ian's our Ottawa writer. Haley was our Ottawa, Ottawa writer. Now she has since moved to Calgary. Uh, Tuesday has Craig Custance and Sean Gentile. Sean's one of our columnists in Pittsburgh. Everyone knows Craig Custance, who's our head honcho in Detroit and uh, one of our main NHL editors. Um, Wednesday, the two-man advantage with Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun, as I mentioned, has Dave Tippett. Thursday has Ian Mendez and Down Go Br- Goes Brown, one of our funniest uh, writers at The Athletic. And fr- Friday is the Prospect Series with Max Boltman, our Detroit Red Wings writer, and Corey Pronman, our prospect writer. Um, if you are always one of those people that ask me about prospects, I highly recommend you listen to that prospect show on Fridays, which is The Athletic Hockey Show, because they will know Know a lot more uh, than me. Let's get back to the Twitter questions. Uh, Jonathan Thies asks: uh, Many advanced stacks indicate that eighteen was a fortune and passenger in a line with Fort- with uh, Ericsson and and Foligno. That's so funny. I just mentioned that. Um, assistant eye tests sometimes say he is improving. Comp- uh, he is improving. He's an improving, competent young power forward. What is your take? Um, all of that. I but I I. I don't know. He just always leaves you wanting more, and I just think at some point you might have to include him in a in a in some sort of move. And again, even if the Wild goes seven three and one this year in expansion, go that route, I I think they are going to have to make a decision on whether or not Greenway is is um, protected if all these promises were made to Hartman and Felino and things like that. So it might be uh, smart to at least. Uh, ex- experiment with the trade market before and see if Greenway can get you something or if you could be thrown for a big trade for one of these centers. Um, Bill asks, given Garen's strong defense of Victor Rask, um, do you assume he'll return in a top six role? To me, he's not good enough for this team to take another step forward. What do you do? What about investigating the Yotes' needs for picks and prospects and adding him in a swap for Christian Dvorak? I like Christian Dvorak. I, I'm concerned about his durability, though. He, he just always seems to be hurt and leaving you wanting more. But I, I, I am a fan of Christian Dvorak. Um, you know, I, I don't know about Victor Rask. I don't, I don't get it uh, because it doesn't seem like Evison and Garen were saying all this and doing all this to raise his stock in terms of trades or expansion or things like that because they were using him in just these massive situations. And the power play to me is the thing that doesn't make sense any sense like do we need more examples of victor rask being softer than Sharman on the puck on a power play he doesn't shoot from the corner he pucks go by him on the on on the the half wall all the time he, he just does nothing on the power play and other than one game by the way um 
so I, I just, you know, I don't get that type of stuff. But but given the, the their appreciation for him as a player, I do think that right now their plan is for him to return in a top six role. And I just think it's incumbent on on the Wild to at least try to improve and, you know, go and get better centers for Kaprizov and Fiala to play next to that, uh, to, to help them be more productive, to, uh, to get Victor Rask and maybe a, a lesser role on this team. The problem is, is that Victor Rask, I don't think is your prototypical third or fourth line center either. So he's sort of has to play in that top six role to be effective because he is a skilled guy. Um, he had a good, you know, look, he had a much better year than he's had in the past. Um, but you know, his skating is still an issue and his, you know, his, to me, his grit is an, is an absolute issue. Um, Joseph asks, are there any habits or ways of doing things you will take from this year into next? A lot of the conversation has been about Zoom's limiting access and how the pandemic has impacted, uh, everyday life. I assume it's not all bad. Um, it's funny you said that. It was because uh, today we have the in-person press conference with Dean Evison and Bill Guerin. And part of me at first when I saw it, I was like, well, that's inconvenient. <laughs> you know, I'd rather just sit in my house and do it on Zoom at this point and just bang out the story right away uh, rather than, you know, waste time, drive down there, ask questions, you know, then have your, you know, little side sessions then do a podcast with Lepanta, then transcribe. All of a sudden, you're going to be sitting down writing your story at three o'clock as opposed to noon right when it's over with but uh but um you know that's the one area where i don't mind the zoom so you know like i don't mind for the rest of eternity if the wild make a big trade or if the wild sign a player if we have a season wrap-up if we just do zoom sessions uh you know like it was so easy on tuesday just player after player after player and transcribing in between players so that type of stuff i wouldn't mind but i do miss going into the locker rooms i think for what i do at the athletic and the stories that i like to tell at the athletic um, it, it just has gotten old and has made this job, um, you know, much, much harder this year, which is why I so appreciate so many people that are athletic subscribers sticking with us because, you know, I do feel like we've tried our hardest, but it's just hard to tell the stories that we really want to tell without the, you know, one-on-one FaceTime that we get with access to players. Um, Bill says, uh, could Charlie Coyle be a reasonable comp for Ewell Erickson X new deal? His current deal was six years at five two five. Seems like a fair start. It's probably it's probably exactly right. Like I would never think that Will Eriksson-Eck would get over five, but he's probably put himself in those conversations. And you know, if I'm Billy Guerin, I'm I'm willing to give up. Get you know, what I would do if I were Billy is I would say, look, I will give you give you security six years, but will you come down in your AAV? Will you come closer to five? Will you go into the high fours if I give you six years? And maybe this is the prototypical type of deal that you trade in term for money, uh, that two two sides do that. And Eric Snack just seems like the type of guy that would probably do that. Uh, Ralph asks, uh, could you expound on the Philip Lindbergh situation, why that happened? Should us fans be concerned if he goes elsewhere? Scout seemed right with Talbot, saved what he was supposed to, didn't save what he's not supposed to, and Capo was concerning. Are we not as deep in goaltending as we thought? Um, I would say Hunter Jones' second half probably gives me a little better confidence that that they that that maybe they have something in him. His first half was extremely alarming. 
Uh, I mean, he was giving up eight, nine, ten goals a game. In fact, uh, there was a really cool feature I was going to write on him at the beginning of the season that I just didn't because the type of story that I was going to write probably would have just brought a lot of cynicism to to him. The story I was going to write is about how in tune he is with social media, Instagram, TikTok. He does these TikTok videos. He he'll, He's a musician as well. It's a really neat story. But I was going to write it at the time where his save percentage was like 600, and I just thought that it was going to bring on the the uh, almost predictable um, criticism, like you know maybe you should uh, concentrate more on goaltending than your music career or something like that. So I decided not to do almost him a favor and not write the article. But I hope to one day write that. But Hunter did have a really good second half, and hopefully that you know once he was in a, the swing of things that really helps. Um, in terms of Lindbergh. Um, you know, he, he obviously was NCAA champ, came back and won the, the championship game. I think that his agents probably look at him as being somebody that they want uh, the best opportunity and see Talbot and Hunter Jones and cacking in ahead of him. But I also think they wanted him to be paid like he was, you know, a top, top, top goaltending prospect. And I don't think the Wild were willing to do that. And so, um, you know, he's probably going to test free agency because the Wild didn't give in as of now. Uh, they have until June 30th, technically, to still sign him. Uh, but otherwise, he'll be able to sign July 28th. Um, you know, to me, or should you be concerned? I mean, who knows? I mean, how many times do we see this type of stuff happen and, not, and the player turns out to be nothing? I mean, you know, Justin Schultz did it. He got himself out of Anaheim and wound up uh, signing. I think it was with Edmonton. He almost signed with Minnesota at the time, if you remember. Um, but most guys turn out to be like, you know, Mikey Riley and, um, you know, I mean, who are some others? I mean, I'm trying to think of others that have done this, that have played hardball. Jimmy Vesey, you know, um, you know, maybe Phil Blumberg will wind up being a great goaltender and we'll look at him and say, oh man, they messed up. But, but, uh, you know, it's hard to tell right now what a college undersized goaltender, uh, how good he's really going to be in the NHL. So, um, Mitch asks, uh, any chance that Jim Rutherford comes to the wild organization in, um, if he can't obtain a GM or high level role of, on another team, uh, no, uh, the wild are not hiring Jim Rutherford and the wild, um, you know, they've built up their front office, uh, pretty quietly. They, they added Mike Murray, um, who's pretty much running Iowa. And then, uh, they, and they added Randy Sexton, who is, you know, long time managerial career in the NHL. Um, is is essentially a, you know the right hand man of of Billy Guerin right now. So right now it looks like the Wild have have added to those positions and expanded their their front office. Um, not me, but me uh, asks uh, how do Taxi Squad players get reimbursed for travel when they get to the call to come to Minnesota? Are those expenses part of their salary, or do they report the expenses? I know, odd question. Um, well, Taxi Squad players uh, that are in Minnesota all year are essentially getting uh, their full AHL salaries unless they're on a one-way contract and they get per diem per day. Um, so that's essentially how they're reimbursed, and I believe their housing is paid for. Um, if you're called up from the minors, you're, you're traveled, you're the way everything that you um, that you happen during your call up is essentially reimbursed. Um, so the wild, if you're coming in from Iowa, they have a car service. They'll bring you there. They're, they're paying for your hotel. Um, you know, the, the day you're traveling, you're getting reimbursed for food or anything like that, like a business traveler. And then once you're with the team, you're getting a, a per diem per day, which is about 112 per day, I believe it is. Um, so that, that's how that stuff is paid for, but their housing and all that is paid for. Um, Let's see, Justin. Are there any centers out there that can win faceoffs that the Wild could get via free agency or trade? Faceoffs were a big problem. Uh, 
all year, and the issue was magnified against Vegas. I don't disagree with you. Uh, Luke Lendening is technically an unrestricted free agent. I don't get the impression the Wild have any use for him. Uh, they have enough fourth line centers. So, uh, but I agree. I mean, I think faceoffs, faceoffs, as Dominic Moore said last night on the telecast, faceoffs aren't a problem until they're a problem. And the Wild spent way too much chasing the puck in the in the in the last series. There's no doubt about it. Um, let's see. Dev asks, this is a good question. If the Wild make a move for a number one center this summer, does that mean they're not confident in Marco Rossi being impactful? No. Um, first of all, there's no rule that says that you can't have multiple good centers on your team. Uh, you know, that's how you win. Uh, is having, you know, you build up the middle, you build in goal, you build on your, your, your defense. Um, and that's always been my opinion. And so, um, what I think the wild, what it means if the wild get a number one center this summer in terms of Marco Rossi, assuming that he's not in the trade to get you the number one center is that the wild look at him as being a 19 year old and that it's going to take him a while to develop to being an everyday NHLer. And so, um, you know, you're trying to accelerate the process. And so I don't think that the Wild are just solely going to forever build through youth and wait patiently for who's not enough to come over here in a couple of years and Rossi to turn into a 24-year-old, in other words. Uh, you know, at some point, you're going to have to make a move to improve the team. You know, Kaprizov and Fiala's clocks are ticking. You can't just let them. I mean, Kaprizov is 24 years old. This isn't an 18 or 19-year-old. Fiala's 24. You can't wait till Rossi's 24 to get these guys centers. You have to make a move at some point, in my opinion. Um, let's see. Jeremy asks, are there any enticing affordable upcoming UFA centers? I don't think Ryan Nugent Hopkins will be affordable by any stretch. Um, you know, I don't think Derek Stepan's a top six in this stage in his career, but I could see the Wild uh, being interested in somebody like him. Uh, Nathan Brooks, why did Sturm never get a shot at being elevated in the lineup last year? Does the organization believe he can that he could play above the fourth line in the future? I think they look at him as a third or fourth line center solely. Um, I don't think they feel like he has the hands to be a top six guy. Uh, so that's why. Now, let's see. Uh, oh, not high. I don't know what this is saying uh, in terms of what the Twitter account is. Uh, next year, is the NHL doing another round of the reverse retro jerseys? As of now, no. Uh, it's a one-year thing. I know that seems stupid, especially since the Wild sold out. I'm sure the Wild would love the revenues and to be able to continue to sell them. But no, if, if you want one of those retro jerseys, you better get them now because as of now, uh, the, the, it was a one-year thing. Um, and somebody else, I, I saw it earlier, and I don't know if I uh, if I am going to find it again here, but somebody asked me if the Wild are going to rebrand. Uh, no, um, the Wild are the Wild. Um, they're not changing to that color scheme as far as I know of. And as far as a third jersey, I saw somebody ask before as well. Um, the third jersey next year is going to probably just be the winter classic jersey once that's made official. And then I'm sure a third jersey will come out in uh, two years. Uh, but I don't see the Wild putting two new jerseys on the market next year. Um, former ice hockey goalie Tendy Takes says, uh, have you had one-on-one -on -one conversations with Kaprizov? Uh, and are the players right? Is he hiding his English from the media? Um, I haven't had one-on-one -on -one conversations with Kaprizov other than I met him briefly at one of the team hotels this year um, uh, and, and, and things like that. And he you know, seemed to know who I was and understand my English. But is he hiding his English from the media? I mean, I, I, I don't think that it's that he's hiding his English from the media. I just think that he's a Russian kid, that this is his second language. And to sit there 
and do stuff on Zoom. We're, we're one of the Zoom uh, factories in Minnesota where we're just on audio, so he doesn't even get to see us. And apparently, you know, one way that he understands English is when he's having face-to-face conversations and he's able to sort of read your lips and understand the way you're doing it where, you know, a Zoom is just very tough for him right now. So I think it's more that he's just not comfortable doing Zoom yet. But my gut says that when we get into the locker room next year that we'll be able to have conversations with them constantly. They're not going to just continue to hire an uh, interpreter for the rest of his life. Uh, we've seen this before with Kuznetsov, Panarin as well. Um, you know, I don't just imagine us parachuting into Russia and trying to have conversations with Russian media. I, I don't blame them at all. Uh, you know, it was a tough year because obviously after games where he's a star, you want to talk to him and you don't want to also create animosity for him by constantly asking his teammates, you know, tell us about Kaprizov. Tell us about the goal. Tell us about the play that Kaprizov made. Uh, you could tell that actually wore on his teammates down the stretch. So I think they would also uh, love him to feel more comfortable um, talking to the media. Um, David Carey asked, do you see Garen trading Dumba? I think Garen wants to keep Dumba here, but I think he, if you're going to go get a number one center, you're going to have to give up that, that money in a deal. So I do think that he would consider it if, if, um, if it was for an Eichel and you combine him with another big ticket item or, or a prospect, um, I think he would have to consider it. Um, the thing that makes it very tough trading Dumba is he makes $7.4 million in actual money next year, and I just don't know if another team is going to be willing to pay Matt Dumba that with two years left on his deal. You know, that's the thing that people forget about Matt is that he's actually four years into his six-year deal now. He's only got two years left. So at some point, you feel like you almost have to trade Dumba or you're going to get to that point of, are you going to lose him for nothing? And, you know, that's why if it were me, I'd actually just leave him. If I can't trade him, I'd actually just leave him exposed for Seattle. And if you take, if they take him, you just take it as a $6 million trade in terms of cap hit. I know you don't get an asset in return, but that 6 million will be extremely valuable. And what to me that's showing is now we're getting to expansion. It's two off seasons in a row were very odd off seasons, but two off seasons in a row where Billy Guerin wasn't able to trade Matt Dumba. And so that tells me that it's not easy to trade Matt Dumba. And so that maybe you got to take that 6 million cash advantage that you're getting by losing him and, and taking that as your asset. So uh, we'll see. Um, Steve Peterson asks, uh, will we see Bukestead or Johansson back in a wild sweater next year? I don't think Johansson. I just think his durability is an issue. It's been, uh, uh, you know, three or four years now where that's been the case. Um, Bukestead, I could see. If he's willing to pay, play for a million bucks, uh, seven fifty even, which is the league minimum, um, although that might be going up to 800 but I, I think it may make sense. Uh, he turned out to be handy. He's a good depth player. Um, you know, he's a happy-go-lucky kid that's a popular guy in that room. I, I think that bringing him back would make a little bit of sense as long as he understands that his role is probably going to be, you know, sort of a utility guy, a, a right wing, a center, a guy that's going to play up and down your lineup when needed, but maybe sometimes healthy scratched. He'd just have to understand that. Um, Davis Torgensen asks... Um, uh, Torgerson, sorry. Um, of all the years to have two firsts, this might be the worst of them and all in regards to prospects, knowledge of prospects, subsequent value those picks hold for trade. How confident do you think Judd and the scouting team are going into the draft this year? Um, first of all, I could tell that Davis Torgerson and I have very similar personalities because that'd be the type of cynical view that I take out of this as well like of all years this is the year you get to and it's so true and of all years this is the year that you pick in the mid-20s it's just it's almost it's almost funny 
It's funny if you weren't a Wild fan, maybe. Um, but look, this is why the Wild paid Jed Brackett the big bucks, right? I mean, he's he's considered a super scout. And, um, you know, he's had sharp tr- drafts throughout his tenure in Vancouver. He had a good first draft his first year in Minnesota. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I'll get Judd here on a podcast, hopefully before the draft, July 23rd and 4th, I believe it is. Um, but, but I, I would agree with you that this is not the year to have it. And that the, the guys that are going to earn their paychecks this year are the ones that actually hit on picks. So, um, you're not wrong. Um, Jay Bushy, Dennis Bushy's nephew. Uh, who's Matt Cullen uh, runs the Moorhead rink out there. Uh, Matt Cullen, uh, the first story that I ever did on Matt Cullen when he signed with the Wild, I went up to Moorhead and talked to Dennis Bushy for that story. Great guy. Um, he, Jay asked, uh, do you see Billy Guerin asking any Wild players with no move clauses to waive them for the expansion draft? I don't think he would do that with Brodeen or Spurgeon and probably not even Zuccarello. But I, if I'm him, I'd do it for Suter and Spurgeon. And Parisi, if you, if if he can assure them that they're not going to be taken, heck, at this point they might want to be taken. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, if you can assure them, no, I don't see why why it would hurt. I mean, it's only helping the organization. Um, let's see, Kev Tastic asks, uh, was it hard getting as many stories this year since you wouldn't couldn't be in the locker room? Do you think the media will have locker room access next season? I sure hope so. I just came back from Vegas. And it's like the pandemic doesn't exist anymore. It's, you know, we're walking in casinos, you're walking in restaurants, you're walking around town, no masks. Um, we're, we're going to an in-person press conference today where I don't think we have to mask up. We're going into Target where we don't have to mask up. I would hope that next year, even if the league said you have to wear masks, I would hope that we can get back to normal here. I think even the players want to get out of these Zoom things. I think that I know the PR people want to get out of these Zoom things. It just, it just was too much. Um, so, and it was harder getting stories, you know, like there was a great story that Marcus Foligno told on the Spit and Chicklets podcast where there was a group message where, uh, where Kaprizov, um, and you gotta, um, you gotta listen to it because it was hysterical. Well, Kaprizov basically was coming in during his, getting his testing, and, uh, with a bunch of the taxi squad players constantly. And on the group message, he said, you know, basically when, when, you know, why do I always have to come with the, you know, essentially the shitty players is essentially what he said, not knowing that he was on a group message with the entire team and those taxi squad players. And apparently the next day he had his head between his sand because he, he kind of put his foot in the mouth, which I could absolutely relate to because I've done similar stuff. So, um, but that's the type of story that Marcus Flynn was telling on Spitting Chicklets that I guarantee would have been in The Athletic at some point because I would have heard that story. And that's the type of story that you can't hear when you're not in the locker room. I mean, that's, that to me is the value of being in the locker room is hearing fun stories that just are not going to organically happen on Zoom. So it was, it sucked. It absolutely sucked this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And again, you're listening to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. You can also go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source to get in for $3.99 per month. As I mentioned, now is the time to do it. We have so much good stuff coming down the pike. Next next week, I'll be doing a, uh, a depth chart, the mailbag. I'll be doing a um, story on uh, who I think is the updated Seattle protection list for the wild. Um, you know, we have tons of trades that could potentially happen this offseason, re-signings, the draft, free agency. So now's the time to get in. So again, theathletics.com slash straight from the source will get you in for just $3.99 per month. Um, Barkley asks, uh, what will the divisions look like? Uh, next year. Basically, the divisions are exactly the same, except Seattle re- will replace um, Arizona in the Pacific Division. So uh, Arizona will come to the Central, which I'm really excited about because I love my trips there. And Seattle will go into that Pacific Division with uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, uh, and the three California teams and Vegas. And then uh, the Wild will be back in the Central with uh, St. Louis, Dallas, Nashville, Arizona, uh, Colorado, Winnipeg, um, sh- did I say Chicago? Uh, I know I'm forgetting one. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Dakota asked about Philip Lindbergh. Um, I've already gotten that. By the way, hello, Dakota. Uh, nice seeing you again. Dakota, I met many, many years ago. Um, Nick Johnson, what are your preliminary thoughts on the types of players the Wild should target at the draft with their two first round picks this year? Um, thanks for another great season of coverage. Thanks for listening and following along and reading. I forgot my day job is actually reading. Um, what should they target? Um, you know, at that point, I do think you take best player available. But as we know, the Wild need centers. They probably need another goalie prospect. As you know, the Wild actually um, were willing to trade Matt Boldy in last year's draft if Askarov was there. And um, and uh, Askarov wound up being taken by Nashville, so the Wild didn't make that trade. I bet they probably don't regret that now. But uh, they want to get a goalie prospect in the organization, continue to add that. Um, centers and then you know defense the wild really especially with Brennan Manel if he's not back I mean now you're just sort of waiting for Kalen Addison Ryan O'Rourke and Damon Hunt uh, and so I do think that you can add some some defense as well um, North Dakota guy living in Texas asked do you think Buffalo would be willing to trade Sam Reinhart what would do you think would be the cost um, it doesn't really matter what I think the, the cost could be uh, right now they're trying to extend them if they can't extend them you're going to have to pay him as an RFA. And so if he's going to make, you know, big money um, and you're going to have to protect him in the expansion draft, you're going to, you, you need to trade money back to them. So I think it's going to be the similar type moves. Uh, it's not going to be, you know, all of a sudden, oh, we don't have to give up Dumbo or Fiala. I mean, if you're adding Sam Reinhardt, he costs money and the Wilds still have to resign Erickson Eck and Kaprizov. So these are not easy things for the Wild to navigate this summer. That's why it just wouldn't shock me if, if he strikes out on stuff like that and has to do some stop gaps continuing. Um, Russo HFC again asks, um, if in your opinion, best and worst moves by Billy Guerin so far. Um, let's see. Um, 
I don't mind the Johansson for stall trade because I know why he did the trade, but Johansson added nothing for me. They added him, remember, to be a top six center, and it just didn't even work out. It never happened, and he wasn't durable, and I just think that he had a, you know, a poor season for the Wild. So, But the deal was made, again, because Stahl was aging. All of a sudden, Stahl turned in a no-trade list that didn't have Buffalo in it. And I think Billy Guerin looked at his list and saw a bunch of uh, playoff teams on there and thought he was trying to sabotage the team from being able to trade him at the trade deadline. So I think he decided, hey, Buffalo was willing to move him uh, or Bill willing to add him. And that, uh, you know, originally they were talking about draft picks and he didn't want a, a draft pick. He wanted a live body. And at the time, he thought that even though he was adding more money in Johansson, that it was worth making the move. It obviously didn't work out. But I don't think the trade was bad. I just think the addition in Johansson didn't work out. Um, as I mentioned, the, the jury's still out on uh, the Luke Cunning trade. You know, I don't think Luke is going to be the player that we all thought that he was going to be when they originally drafted him. So, the, the, you know, and, and the analytics also show that he's not a line that drives lines. In fact, he's sort of uh, can be an anchor on lines, according to the analytics. So that's why the Wild made the move. They get Nick Bonino. Maybe he's back. My gut says he's probably not unless the Wild circle back after expansion and have money to sign him. Um, but that it's all up to Hunt and who's Nadina. If, if they turn out to be really good players, then the wild, the wild made a good trade there. Uh, so we'll see. Um, in terms of his best trade, best moves, I mean, look, he gets Kalen Addison in the Zucker deal. I think that's good. We'll see what they do with the, get with the first round pick that they got this year. Uh, I think Donato for a third really was uh, quality. It was not nearly as bad as the Donato for coil trade in hindsight. Um, and getting and you know signing Talbot, I think was a great move and and being able to get something from Dubnik. So um, you know so far so good. Um, let's see more questions on Parisi. Let's uh, does uh, Nathan Brooks asked does Dumba for Seth Jones make sense to get stronger on the back end? I would think only if you can't get a center for him. Um, you know it might actually make sense. Like look if you're you know, you're going to have to resign Jones though to ma- massive money and a lot of mo- more money than Dumba probably makes. But you know maybe if 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 you're unable to trade Dumba for a center, maybe you actually see if you can make some sort of one-on-one trade for Seth Jones. But my gut says if Seth Jones is leaving Columbus, he knows where he wants to sign, and it's probably not Minnesota. Um, John asks, uh, who is your go-to quote guy this year? I mean, well, always Marcus Foligno. Um, but this year, pretty much all five guys that Bill Guerin asked uh, or acquired were incredible quotes. Incredible quotes like Johansson, great quote, Bukestay, great quote, Talbot, great quote, Cole and Benino, great quote. So we definitely got upgraded in the Cole in the in the quote uh, situation this year. But uh, Felino is usually our go-to quote, and then the five new guys were absolutely awesome as well. Um, Alex um, says. Uh, not sure. I like the idea of ripping a whole bunch of new holes into the team for Eichel, who has his own question marks. Wouldn't it be better to trade for a less established center prospect with upside? Any names to watch there? I don't disagree with you. Actually, I am not for trading for Eichel. I, I am not. I mean, at first of all, I've gotten so many text messages from players in the league, or former players in the league, or coaches in the league that that are not Eichel fans that think that he is not a guy that tr- can transform your team. And then there's character flaws, and then there's the neck injury. So I don't disagree with you. I think it's a risky move. You make a move like that, and you you are committed. That's a $10 million move, and he better be an absolute superstar. And um, you know his neck injury, to me, is something that you better find out every single thing. 
uh, that you could find out about that before you even entertain acquiring him. So, you know, but the problem is, is that every time that you, you know, when you ask that it wouldn't it be better to trade for a less established center, center prospect with upside, the problem is, is that you know, as long as it's the right guy, I mean, the pro- the Wilder just in this habit where, the, you know, that's how Victor Rast trades are made, right? I mean, you know, uh, it was a less established center that they acquired because he had some good years and he turned out to be the the, the guy that he was down the stretch in, in Carolina. Now he's had an okay year this year based on you know, on, on having some chemistry with Zuccarello and 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 uh, Kaprizov earlier in the year, but it's not like he's a stud. And so, um, you know, who are some guys uh, to go after? Yeah, there's, it's hard to really say right now. I mean, somebody asked me earlier about JT Miller. If he's available, I would absolutely at least inquire about that. Um, you know, I mentioned Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Derek Stepan, Philip Deneau. I mean, none of these guys are really... Uh, top six guys right now. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is, but he's been playing wing the last couple of years in Edmonton as as a whole. And and I don't know if he's somebody that you want to pay six, seven million bucks to as a free agent. So, um, and he's going to get paid this summer, I think. Um, let's see. Uh, Steve asked, what was my biggest challenge during a pandemic? I think we've discussed that. Let me just kind of skim some. Vaughn asked about what's going on with Brennan Minnell. We've discussed that. Um, Pete Best asks, as an Islanders fan, what's your favorite memory of the Coliseum? Do you miss attending their games as a fan instead of a reporter? Um, no, I love uh, attending games there as a reporter and being out of the madness of that lower bowl. Uh, I remember as kids getting dumped, uh, being a kid and getting beer dumped on us, popcorn dumped on us, things like that. Um, but my favorite memories of the Coliseum is just the smell. You walk in there and it has this distinct smell. I don't know what the smell was. I'm not even saying it was a bad smell. It was almost like years of the Ringling Brothers Circus being in there. It was just this distinct smell. I love the banners. You know, in the press box in Nassau Coliseum, you were literally even with the banners. And I remember my first game ever covering there. um, I watched those banners more than the game. It was just, I was just amazed at the Stanley Cup banners, the retirement banners, uh, things like that. Um, the the memory of mine that really comes out at Nassau Coliseum is uh, Robert Svela hit Pavel Bure for, I believe, his first goal with the Panthers on a breakaway. And maybe it wasn't his first goal, but um, he scores on this breakaway. And we hadn't, we hadn't seen a Panther player that had that speed or, or elite talent um, up until that point. And I just remember almost falling out of the press box when he scored that breakaway goal. Like, I just couldn't believe that Pavel Bure was wearing a Panther uniform. Another game, um, my, my brother... And I feel like my mom, they they visited me at the Long Island Marriott once there. I can't remember why. My, I think my brother was going to, to loss. I don't remember why he was there. But we run into Pavel Burry in the, lo- in, the, in the lobby and we start talking to him. And Pavel tells my brother that I'm going to get a hat trick today. It was an afternoon game. He tells my brother, you know, my brother was telling him, you're a big fan. You know, he's a big fan. And he goes, I'm going to get a hat trick today. And then Pavel went out and got a hat trick. And uh, and I know that my brother thought that was uh, cool as you know what. Um, Zach Frash asks, former St. John's alum asks, uh, if you had one word to summarize the Lapantas, what would it be? Uh, probably very, very generous. Um, generous would be what I'd say. I have eaten at their house probably 200 times and and it's always this huge feast and they've never once asked me for money for their giant akaushi steaks that they make and things like that so i uh you know very generous and margo's the sweetest woman ever um let's see john 
Uh, what was your favorite wild moment from the past season? Probably covering Kaprizov, just seeing uh, that he was everything that we had hoped, uh, definitely there. I'm just going to kind of go uh, through this. Uh, Ari Gold asks, uh, what would it take to get Barkov? Well, one, it would take him letting Florida know that he's not willing to sign an extension there. And then it would take a lot. It would take first, it would take prospects, probably Fiala as well. I think Fiala is somebody that I would start with just because um, you know, Paul Fenton is Bill Zito's right-hand man. And obviously Paul, as we know, has an affinity for, for, um, Kevin Fiala. And it turns out justifiably. So, um, let me see, um, Moderna Mafia asks, uh, would the wild deal Kalen Addison and parts to Seattle leave Dumbo alone? Uh, no way, Jose. After the Alex Tuck thing, I don't see them trading a prospect or a top prospect. I think picks maybe, but the reason why that makes no sense I don't think, unless you're just saying, all right, it gets rid of six million bucks. But you, you, you like don't or or th- no, I'm sorry, I'm misreading the question. The reason why that makes no sense is Dumba's age and the fact he's only got two years left on his deal. I mean, Kalen Addison is 21 years old. To me, he's the replacement eventually for Matt Dumba. So I would do the complete opposite. I mean, knowing I have Kalen Addison in fold makes me more likely that I'm willing to lose a Matt Dumba than to give up Kalen Addison to protect Dumba. That's just my opinion off the top of my cuff here. Uh, Cade asks, uh, any update on Carson Soucy's injury and how does the, that affect uh, things in the expansion draft? Well, that won't affect things in the expansion draft because it's not a buyout. So you, you could be hurt and, and still left exposed. Um, in terms of the, uh, I understand we, we for game seven in the morning, he got on the ice in uh, Vegas. I understand he realized there that he was not even close to uh, returning. So, um, you know, I think he broke ribs, but I don't know. Uh, F- Minnesota hockey fan 336 says, is it a c- coincidence that the last time they won a playoff round, we had our own goon, Matt Cook, take out a key defenseman on the other team? Um I don't know. I mean, it, there, I mean, it is funny. You're not wrong in the fact that that changed the series. Uh, you know, Tyson Berry tearing his ACL in that series on that that you know uh, suspendable play by Matt Cook absolutely won the Wild that series, in my opinion. So you're you're definitely not wrong there. Um, let's see. Uh, ben asked, when you first joined the Athletic, did you get the approval to do the Talk North podcast, or are you free to do other work on the side for other networks? I'm curious how the contract employment works for many writers who work for a company but do other podcasts on the side um yes uh to answer your question I, that's why i am able to do a podcast on the side i i when i came to the athletic i made sure that my you know kfan my fox sports north at the time now ballet sports north my uh nhl network duties uh and i feel like something else but also talk north was in my contract so that is how i i am able to do it i can't there was a fifth thing that i don't think i do anymore uh, Nick asks, uh, do you think it's important to get Fiala center to play with, or is the focus on Kaprizov Zuccarello pairing? I, I think the focus on getting both of them a center to play with, uh, Brett Maloney asks, uh, this will be the final question. Uh, what are your summer plans? Any big trips planned? Well, I'm going to Atlanta tomorrow. Uh, so I hope to not be on Twitter all weekend, uh, see my nephews and my mom for the first time since probably the fall. Um, I do technically have uh, trips planned to Cancun and Cabo. I probably will cancel the Cancun trip. 
I just booked that like sort of two months ago when I was in the midst of like pandemic, like freak out. And I'm like, I need just something to look forward to. And I booked it uh, around the 4th of July. And now I look at how close it is to expansion and um, potential trades and the draft and free agency. And I probably will have to cancel that. But at the time, I just felt like I needed something to look forward to. I might do a bourbon tour with a buddy of mine and his son. And um, I wonder if I should say on here. Um, and another very well-known person in town and his son, uh, <laughs> a, a very well-known person that's it's sometimes a guest on KFA annals. I'll leave it at that. Uh, we, we might do a bourbon tour uh, to Kentucky this month. I've never done anything like that. Um, I do have a Cabo trip in August, a Vegas trip in August. I might go to Trample by Turtles at Red Rocks. That's unfortunately a week before the draft. So I, I, I don't know if I should book that trip because I think I'll be very, 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 very nervous that entire concert that I'm missing something important that close to the draft and expansion, all that, but we'll see. I might make a day trip uh, to Colorado for that. Um, and then I have a, a couple weddings as well uh, out of town. So uh, it will be a, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, running around for me as usual during the off season, which I'm excited about because it means that we're getting closer to hopefully the end of this pandemic. Uh, speaking of trampled by turtles, let's uh, let uh, Dave Simonette and the band uh, take us out with midnight on the interstate. Thanks as always to, trampled by turtles donating the music for uh, both of my podcasts that's been awesome and if you're listening to this podcast uh as always uh hopefully you didn't get tired of my voice during this long long podcast but check out our comment section for each podcast episode at the athletic app and rate and subscribe to straight from the source on apple if you aren't already a subscriber go to the athletic.com straight from the source and you can receive a subscription for just three dollars and 99 cents per month we'll probably be taking a, a couple weeks off here on this podcast but we'll try to get billy garen and jed brack it on here in the next month month and a half before the uh, draft and free agency and all that but thanks as always for listening to straight from the source thanks as always for supporting uh the athletic by reading uh, my articles and all our incredible articles across our platform good day everybody mm-hmm.